couple, and we wanted to go back there. Well, that didn't happen, so we're like, let's redo the backyard. And uh, um, so we're, we're, we don't have the money to pay somebody to do it, so we're doing it ourselves. So yesterday, for those of you who are builders, of those people, by the way, we put a ledger board up. That took five hours. Those of you who are builders, like Justin is laughing, saying five hours. <laughs> yeah, but that first cut into the side of the house, it's very, uh, it brings a lot of anxiety. Yes, so, it does. So we just spent a lot of time working on that, and my body hurts. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here. Sure. Yeah. And you think you're going to be able to do the, do the that? I've already the played thumb? through all the songs once, so I'm probably done for the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's been busy. Nobody asked you about your week. Oh, but how was your week? Can my you... week has been good. It's been busy uh, as normal. I mean, it just feels like this life is just, right now, life just keeps getting busier and busier for us. And, and I'm excited about going live. Um, so, yeah, the boys are doing good. They're doing lots of yard work for people, which it's weird that they're getting, they're 14 and they're starting to have job-like stuff. It's, they're going to be driving in less than six months. That's anxiety. Cutting a house is anxiety. Have you ever taught somebody to drive? Yes, actually multiple times. Okay, so you know what I it's like no when somebody pushes it. the gas instead of the brake? Yeah, I'm actually really, really good at, at teaching people to drive. So how's your filter? Filter? Oh, yeah, no, no. I'm actually really calm with it. All yeah. Right. I just feel like that's not true, but sure. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, in six months, we'll know. Yeah, yeah. When your hair looks like my hair, we'll know. Yeah. <laughs> well, today is going to be uh, is going to. Well, before I get into today, do you have any announcements for the day? Do I have any announcements? Um, not really. I mean, the, we've got the announcements going behind us. If you haven't signed up for text to give, uh, those of you who've done it, it's very easy. Um, I am. Are we allowed to talk about the registration? Thing? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I don't know much about it. However, in a couple of weeks. We, uh, we are allowed to have a certain number of people in this space. We're going to set up a registration, online registration, which will allow you effectively to say that you and the, num and the people in your party, number of people in your party, um, would like to attend. We're right. going to rotate because it can't just be the same people every week. Um, we'll set up a little pod for you. Mm -hmm. There'll be assigned seating. Uh, they'll be at least 12 feet apart, which means you can sing. Everybody will wear masks. But everybody's going to be wearing masks as uh, the... Hi, Elsie. It's so good to see you and Bob. Um, there are a couple of people here now. We have a, just a huge group of people. However, you'll be able to sign up. Um, we'll have more information next week. Yep. But we will be able to do some in-person stuff. But getting this live, the ability to do it live was so important to making this happen mm -hmm. so that those of you who can't be here because of the spacing concerns can still participate. Yep. And I think those are the main... main uh announcements on, on Wednesday I'm going to be start switching to doing a, a, a survey of the Old Testament we're going to go really fast through it but I wanted to give people just a general sense of the Old Testament so like we're going to do Genesis in two weeks we're going to do yeah Leviticus in a week we're gonna, I mean very very fast through it there's a lot of books we're going to basically do a book a week and so so I, I just want to give people a sense of that so that's what we're going to be switching to on Wednesdays at 7 I'm, I go live with that um, but the next series is going to be on Mark. 
Love it. I know. It's one of my favorite uh, favorite uh, Gospels. So we're going to be doing that. I'm not going to start it this week. What I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be talking about Psalm 2. So if you'd like to open your Bibles and look in Psalm 2. Uh, Psalm 2 gives us a real good background to it because two of the biggest themes in that book, in Gospel of Mark, is that Jesus is king and Jesus is the Son of God both of which are talked about in Psalm 2. It's kind of the, the Old Testament foundation for the Gospel of Mark. It gives us an, a, a sense of where, where the theology, where the idea of what's going, what the, uh, the writer of Mark is trying to communicate to us, that Jesus is king. It gives us a worldview. It helps us get the idea of what's going on in our world and God's response. It'll be a nice bridge between this and last week. Cool, so, excellent. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for today and for Joe and for everybody helping us. And I want to pray for me. I want to pray for Joe. And I want to pray for the people at home. That Jesus, you would help us hear your voice. That you would help us to worship. God, right now, wherever people are, whenever they're watching this, and I know that there are some who are going to be watching this at 2 o'clock in the morning, that, that God, that you would help them to slow down you would help them to, to just remove all the distractions and just be with you. Open our hearts and ears to hear your voice. Open our, our hearts, break up our stony, concrete hearts that, that, that are not prone to worshiping you. Move us intellectually, mentally, but also emotionally to worship you as you really do deserve. That we might mimic the, the, the voices in heaven which continuously cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb who was and is and is to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Brian up. Father, I look forward to being with you in your presence forever. To, to shed this skin and to just be with you as you intended us to be. Just like that road to Christmas where we feel that amazing anticipation as children, that we as your children would feel that sense of anticipation that pulls us through each day, waking up, the first thing we think about, you, the last thing we think about as we breathe at the end of the day, close our eyes, is you, and the excitement that we will be in the presence of our King who loves us so greatly, and we will sing to you. Father, May we hear your word today. May, may we be changed today in great ways and small ways, apparent and, and just tiny ways that maybe people don't see. Let us be changed through your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is good to be here. It is good to see you. And as we come into this, 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 light, this time this morning, and we're thinking about the craziness that's happening in our world, 
you know, it just feels like tw- 2020, every one month it gets worse. <laughs> Doesn't it? How do we process that? How do we see that? H- how do we look at our world in a way that's a biblical? That's what I want us to help us to see today. And we're going to be looking at Psalm 2, as I talked about. And we're going to be talking about um, how God is responding to it. I've been actually talking kind of about that for the last about a month and a half. Um, and this is a good bridge between this and, and focusing on Jesus. And that's where we end up going to go and why I chose the Gospel of Mark. Because of two things. One, I think us Christians really need to be focusing on Jesus right now. And two, we need to be focusing on proclaiming the gospel right now. Both of those things are going to be communicated there in the gospel of, of Mark. And I wanted to give a little bit of an of, of a, a Old Testament backdrop to it, and we're going to be doing that by looking at, the, as I said, the Psalms. The Psalms are a wisdom literature. Um, it, it's a whole group, a genre of, of of writings in the Old Testament that the purpose of it is to help us know how to live in this world. What, it, what's, what wisdom d- literature does is it takes very, very complex stuff and it simplifies it in a way that makes something very complex simple and understandable. And that's what we're going to see right now. There's a lot of complex pieces to what's going on in our world, but at the, at the core of it, what's happening? And this is what this psalm is talking about. Now, I'm going to tell you right at the start where it's going to go, because I want it to be clear where it is. And it comes, the, the, the goal, the, 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 the impact of what we're supposed to get out of this is found in verse 12 of chapter 2. And it's that last, this last verse of uh, kiss the son or submit to God's royal son so he's not angry with you and you get destroyed or perish in your activities or, or your way of life, but instead have joy as you take refuge in him. This whole last section is all going to be about the whole, how the Spirit is just pleading with humanity. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Now remember that as we talk through this. I'm going to come back to that. But I want you to remember at the very start, this is where it's heading. The whole point of this whole thing is to to communicate to humanity, listen, you need to turn from where you're going. You need to come to Jesus. You need to kiss the Son. You need to submit and, and recognize who He is. Take refuge in Him. All right? Now, Psalm 1 and, two and 1 and 2 are actually part, they're meant to be read together. They're kind of part 1, part 2. And when we look at chapter, when we look at Psalm 1, it becomes really clear what's happening here is that there are two kinds of people. There are two groups. Now, right in our world today, this is not how the world divides up the people. When we look out of the world, they'll divide it up based on race, economics, maybe political, uh, whether you're on the right or you're on the left, or maybe it's, it's whether you have money or you don't have money, all these different ways of, of identifying various groups. But from God's perspective, there's only 
two groups. There are those who are blessed and those who are wicked. Those who rightly respond to him and those who don't. There are two groups, and you can see it at the, in chapter 1, verse 6, for the, 5 and 6. They, there are those who will be condemned in the time of judgment. They are the sinners who have no place among the godly. And there are those who are the, who are the, who are the righteous. The Lord watches over the path of the godly or the righteous, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. There are two, two groups. And this is, this is the, how the Bible reads the world. There are two groups with two, two different destinies. One is for perishing and another one is for blessing. And that's what we're, we're seeing in Psalm 1. And then there's two metaphors, very briefly, in verses 3 and 4. And this, I could do a whole sermon on this. I have. But I'm trying to just zip through it so you have a sense of what's going on here. And there are two metaphors. One is of a tree who does what it's supposed to be. It, it, it produces fruit when it's supposed to. Uh, versus the, the wicked, which is like worthless chaff, garbage, that just, it's, it, it, it's empty. So you have two destinies, two groups, and two different metaphors. One is being what they're supposed to be, like a tree that always produces fruit on its time, in its season. And the other one is just like emptiness. And, and with two different delights, verses 1 and 2. One delights in the instruction of God, the law, which means instruction. And the other one who scoffs and mocks. It is these two different groups that are also being carried over when we get into, chap into chapter 2, that is, Psalm 2. It's this idea of, so who are who? How do you tell which, is one, which one is which? And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to go much more carefully as we walk through chapter 2. Uh, chapter 2, I keep saying chapter 2, it's Psalm 2. In a sense, that is a chapter, actually. Um, these, these, the book of Psalms, just as a side note, are not randomly put together. They are, they are, they, they step, they're, they're organized specifically. So, when we look at chapter, chapter 2, Psalm 2, there are going to be four voices, four different scenes. Here's the first one, verses 1 through 3. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth um, prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one, saying, let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from the slavery of God. This is the voice of the world. And if, in a sense, the, 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 the scene is the world. And it's this, this almost a mob-like scene and mentality it's just this crazy tumultuous viewpoint it's the world and they have a particular mindset they have a particular mindset and this mindset is what we can see in verses one and two it's this idea of of they are they are determined they are calculated it's not it's not truly emotional although this translation uses the word angry and some of them they say rage it's this idea in the original hebrew of uh, of they are cold set in their ways against god it's antagonism against him it's not it's not spur-of-the-moment thinking, as the next verse talks about how they're, they're plotting, they're conspiring. They, they have set determined that they are going 
to fight against God. They, don't, they see him as an oppressor. They have a particular goal. Let us throw off their chains. They do not want God to tell them what to do. They see him as an abuser. They see him as, as, as an oppressor. And they're the victims. They're saying, God, I don't want you to be the boss of me. That, that, that's the message. They're rejecting him. This is exactly what humanity does. They hide it well. But this is, what's, this, is what, this is the message of Scripture starting at the very beginning in Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, this is, this is the, you know, God has made man, and, man, Adam and Eve. He set them up in the garden. And, and there in chapter 3, we, we, see, we see Adam and Eve being tempted by the spirit, by, by the serpent. And the woman says to the said to the serpent, We may not eat, you know, we may not eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden. And then the serpent replies, Oh, and then she continues, but but God said, You shall not eat of it, nor nor nor, nor in the nor you can't even touch it. And the serpent straight up says, No, that's not true. You will not die. And then she goes on and she and and so she she sees that it's good to eat, that it's good for food. And she takes it. It's rebellion. And what what this these verses are communicating is not just that they disobeyed, is that she and Adam, she's not alone in this, thinks they know better than God about what's good in that. They get to choose what's right. They decide what's wise. See, that's what's happening in, in, in here in Psalm 2. Humanity is saying, you don't get to tell me what's right or wrong. You're constraining me. You're, getting, you're telling me I can do this or I can't do that. And, and we're, we don't want you to tell us what to do. They see God's way of living, His right life when he says this is right this is wrong and, and and they see it as chains that they have to break i want to go do that but god says i can't do that it's oppressive but that's the exact issue going on here in genesis 3 it's the opposite of what psalm uh, uh, proverbs 3 talks about talking about proverbs 3 says do not lean on your own understanding We need, humanity thinks they know what's right. And when God tells them what to do, they're like, no, 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 no. You're not the boss of me. This is, this is what's happening in this verse. They will, they will not let God tell them what to do. And so they're angry at him. They want to fight against him. Jeremiah 2 talks about how uh, his people have committed two sins. One is that they've abandoned him, and two, they've, 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 
They've dug cisterns, wells that cannot hold water. See, this is what humanity does. It says, I don't want what you want. I'm going to do whatever I want. But the reality is, is every single time that we as humans say something is good that God says is bad, what we end up with is an empty well. We get more miserable. We get more empty. That's, that's the issue. And so, so they're rebelling. This is, this is what's happening on our streets today. It's rebellion. It's revealing humanity's heart that will not do what God wants them to do. And so we have this incredibly crazy world that's going on right now. Our people, our nation, our world has rejected Jesus, the anointed one. And so it's a call. So this is, this is, this is the first voice. This is the world's voice. It's a shaking the, its fist in, in, the, in the face of God saying, you will not be the boss of me. You don't get to tell me what to do. But then God speaks. Verse 4. The one who rules in heaven laughs and scoff, the Lord scoffs at them. Then in his anger he rebukes them, terrifying them his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem on my holy mountain. Now he has two responses and he has one action. Two responses, one action. The first response is that he laughs. The one who sits in heaven, who sits on his throne, it's this image of power and authority. It's, he looks at their rebellion and it's clearly, patently absurd. That, that, to think that the creation can rebel against its creator is ridiculous. It can't happen. And he knows it. He's not like, God is not up in heaven going, oh no, oh no, they're rebelling against me. Can I control this? No. This is, not, this is not a battle. It's what I talked about last week, how the battle of humanity against God, the battle of all creation against God is not really a battle. Heaven's throne is not like it's being assailed and it's, oh no, you know, with Satan and all the armies of, of, of hell arraigned against him and it's like he's under siege. There's no battle in that sense. This is why he's laughing. It's like, really? It's not, gonna, it, it, it's not a fight. It won't succeed. But he's also absurd in that what you're wanting, humanity, to break free of me, the one who is the source of goodness, the one who, who tells this is what's good for you, you're trying to find what's good, and you're doing it the wrong way. It's crazy. You're putting, unleaded, you're putting diesel gas in a, in, in a gasoline car. It doesn't work. So, he, so, he, so he's mocking them. He's like... Really? Every time we say that, that we want something good and God goes, no, that's not going to work. But the second response is, is there's a little bit of an anger. 
There's anger, he says. He's angry for two reasons. One, he's being slandered, and nobody likes to be slandered. He's being called that he's not wise or good by humanity. But the other one of it is he knows that if they get their way, people are getting hurt. It hurts people to not go the way that God wants, the way that God tells you to go. Every single time we go the wrong way, it results in pain. God knows this. And this is when people hurt. So there's an anger. And he t- makes one action. And that action is, he says he, install- he has installed his king, his anointed one. Now my translation, this one here, translates the implication of what it is. I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem. I have anointed my king. I have installed my king on Mount Zion. Mount Zion is Jerusalem. It's the same place. This is why this translation just tra- it communicates what is being said here. It is the, Jerusalem is literally up on top. Everything around it goes down. It's kind of a mountain, and that's the idea. On his holy mountain. This is where God dwells. And what it's referring to is the crucifixion. It's this, it's this, this moment where Jesus has, has died for, for our sins. He has risen from the dead. And as Acts 2 talks about, that Jesus has now been declared both Lord and King. He's the King. So what, what is the Father's response? The scene is heaven. The first one was this, this kind of mass of humanity raising its fist. The second scene has been God in heaven just sit, sitting there looking down on them. And he says, I'm going to install my king. His response is twofold. He's like, I, I will not allow this to continue. God will not allow the insanity of our world to continue. He won't. Now that's a little bit what he was talking about in Habakkuk, wasn't it? Where he's he's saying, God, when are you going to do something? And his simple answer, at least in part, is I'm not going to let this happen forever. I've installed my king. The second response is what we're going to get to in the final section here. There's, there's a way out. We're going to come to that. But let's go to now the voice of the Son, verse 6 through 9. The Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on Jerusalem, my holy mountain. Sorry, 7 through, ten, through, through 9. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask, and I will give the nation as your inheritance. The whole earth is your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron and smash them like clay pots. <laughs> the king has, is reading the father's words. And he's declaring the father's 
decree. What he says, he's just simply saying, this is what the, the Father's will is. And he ha- makes three statements, three decrees, three things from this decree. And the, here's the first one. Verse 7, that his reign is legitimate. He's the rightful king of humanity. He's the rightful ruler of all. He's saying, you are my son. Today I have become your father. He's not an illegitimate son. He is both the king of heaven and earth, and he is the king of He's the rightful king of humanity. See, he's not some usurper. Jesus is not some usurper. He's not wresting control from God the Father. He's not in rebellion against the Father. He's being given it to him. He's the rightful king. So when Jesus acts as the king of humanity, he does that legitimately. He's He's fully human, which means he gets it. He's one of us. He has the right to judge us. He understands. But he's also God's son, which is, which is a, an issue that, he, that Mark is going to talk about a lot, and we're going to get into that starting next week. But he's legitimate. Second, the second decree is that his, his reign will be universal. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your heritage, the whole earth as your possession. All of humanity will be under the rule of Jesus. All. All the nations. Every people. All people will be under his rule. This is what Philippians chapter 2 is talking about. When it talks about that that every knee will bow before Jesus. Philippians chapter 2. I don't want to. Can you go jump down to like verse 10? Yeah. Do 9. Let's even get it back up one more. That every, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every tongue and 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 every tongue, name every knee shall bow, and every and on heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, Paul is saying that because of verses like this. Jesus is, is, whether you want to believe in Jesus or not, is not the issue. In fact, the, this group here in verses 1 through 3, they, reje- they have rejected Jesus as king. They don't want them. They don't want him. They've intentionally decided no to him. And when we, see, when we look into, into to Revelation and other places, it'll become clear that on the day that Jesus comes back, they will see Jesus for who he is, and in that moment they will still say no. And yet Jesus is still Lord. His rule is over all. And third, his rule will be absolute. 
verse 9. You will break them with a rod of iron and smash them like clay pots. See, ultimately, it does get down to a, an issue of power. To a, at a certain point when people simply will not submit, you have because God will not allow this rebellion to continue forever, he will make them submit. Because that's good. To bring, you, you want justice? You give me justice. Okay, here's justice. This, this, moment, this verse, verse 9, is what is being described in Habakkuk chapter 3. It's what's being described in Revelation 19. This image of Jesus coming down out of heaven. and, and, and In fact, it's quoted in Saul, uh, Revelation 19. This, Jesus is coming. It's what we sang. Behold, he comes. And the, and the nations will tremble. His rule will be absolute. Ultimately, this is the issue. His kingdom is legitimate. His kingdom will be universal over all of creation. There will be not one spot in all of creation where Jesus doesn't say, mine. There will not be a single rebel left unjudged when Jesus is done. This is the voice of the Son decreeing what God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, is saying to the rebels. This is the message. It's, it's completely inflexible. And it's, you know, you know, there'll be people out there who'll say, Brian, that's awful, exclusive, and pretty mean and harsh. Look, I'm just telling you what God has said. I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. This is what God says. This is what Jesus says as he affirms the Old Testament in Luke chapter, chapter 24. This is what God says. The question is, as we look here in these last few verses, how are you going to respond to it? And now the scene shifts again. And the, and the stage is cleared. We're not in heaven. We're not in the world. We're right where you are. Maybe in, in your bedroom. Maybe it's in your car. It gets very, very, very personal and very, very gentle. So we hear the voice of the Spirit talking to you and to me, where he says, verse 10, Now then, you kings, be wise. Be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. It's very gentle. Even this, this, this word, be warned, um, it's, in, it's kind of an unusual Hebrew verb form that, that is, is meant to be very, very soft. It's, it's, it, it communicates the idea of, Tolerate yourself to be warned. Allow yourself to be warned. Be wise. Allow yourself to be prosperous. And see, this is where this gets into back to what we saw in chapter 1, in Psalm 1. Be wise. There are two paths. There are two destinies. 
You, you, you want to be like a tree that, that, that produces the fruit in its, in its season. You want to be the one who's blessed, who has joy. Listen. This is what God has said. The king is coming. He will deal with the rebels. They will not win. He has installed his king. Rebellion against him simply cannot work. So, listen. It's the pleading of the Spirit to you and to me. Will you get right with him? What do you need to do? Verse 11, serve the Lord with reverent fear. Rejoice with trembling. It's it's, it's serve or worship. Again, in the Old Testament, that's, that, that, could, that word can be translated either way. The point of it is, is relate rightly to Him. This, this idea, as I've talked about last week, that this idea of fear and trembling before God, it simply means that you recognize that being on the wrong side of your Creator is not a good idea. You don't want to cross Him. Because the consequences are not good. It's not that you should be you know, cowering from him. It's the idea of recognizing that God is not someone that you want to have as your enemy. And when your enemy, when, when, when this person is saying, come back, you need, to tr- you need to be in a right relationship with me, you go, okay, you bet, that's what I'm going to do. Serve Him. Rejoice in Him. Listen to when He says, this is what's right, this is what's wrong. Trust me to know what's good for you. Now, what that will look like is repentance. This, this turning away from doing the wrong thing and going, God, you're right, I'm wrong, I want to follow after you. And instead, kiss the son, or pay homage, verse 12, to, the, to, to God's royal son, so he's not angry, so he won't be angry. One of the things that Jesus, is, Jesus does, and we're going to see this when we get into, into Mark, and we see it when we come to communion in a moment, is, is this installation of Jesus as king on his holy hill also provided the way out for rebels sinners by Jesus taking the judgment on for them on himself so that if you come to him asking for mercy he will freely give it why do you think he's giving us this psalm why do you think God is giving humanity this psalm is it just to say I'm going to thump you and there's no hope for you no He's warning you so that you can avoid it. It's a little bit like me calling home, hey boys, Jack, Dawson, um, I'm going to be home in 15 minutes. You better not be doing something that you shouldn't. Make sure you've cleaned up, you've done the dishes like I asked you to. Because I don't want to have to come home and um, ground you. All right, thank you, see you in 10. Now why would I do that for them? Because I really don't want to do that. The issue is, will God's creation listen? Will you listen?
The installation of Jesus as king does two things. One, it tells the world, I will not tolerate this violence. I will not tolerate this injustice. I will not tolerate this abuse. I will not tolerate this wickedness that's going on in the world. I will not forever. I will deal with it. But it also says, and I'm going to provide you a way out. Please take it. Will you take it? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, for this psalm and this, this basic concept of what's go, uh, that will carry us into the story about Jesus, the gospel of Mark. God, this is how you see the world. Oh, help, our, help us Christians to see it this way. That the world is not divided up into haves and haves nots. It's not divided up by races even. It's divided up into those who belong to you, Jesus, and those who don't. Those who, who, who are righteous with you, who, who are in a right relationship with you, and those who are not. Those who listen to your spirit when he pleads, come into a right relationship, and those who do not. Those who will not stand in the judgment and those who, who know joy, who know blessing, who know peace, because they've put their faith and trust in you, Jesus. Help us, Jesus, to, to proclaim this, to not be afraid of the world, but instead listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Comments? I do, I do. Uh. The idea of being stubborn, you know, there's so much of that that I think we experience even more often these days. And so that was very timely from my perspective. The other thing is, is that I recognize that one of my growing edges, one of my opportunities to be better is stubbornness. And then with your message, I'm like, it, it's not just me. It's not our country. It's God's creation. We are stubborn. It's part of our nature. And I think there's an opportunity to kind of lean into that understanding. It's a flaw. Let's just acknowledge that that feeling of stubbornness is, it's a flaw. It's natural. You're going to feel it. And it's an opportunity to do better. Yeah. So acknowledge, you know, if you're feeling that, oh, I get it. I'm, you know, somebody will tell me what to do. It will be the right thing. And I will hate every moment yeah. of it until I feel like I have the opportunity to say, this is my idea. I'm going to do it. It has to be my idea. I mean, that's just a yeah. stubborn child of God. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's true. And yeah, thank you, Joe. This is why I love having this little bit of a uh, debrief because you bring out some pieces of it that I think is really helpful. And that's really good. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so God's saying, oh, please don't. Listen, listen. Yeah, yeah. Makes me think of my daughter. <laughs> She's not listening, so we're safe. I wish she was. But you know, just the idea of listen. Here's the best thing for you to do. Please do it. And I know the very fact that I said it means she'll be walking the other direction. That's hard. It is hard. 